I'm reading from the Gospel of John, verses 14 to 21. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but, whoever, but, <coughs> but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Sue. Good morning, everybody. I'm greeting you from Cairns Road building. I've got Matt on the desk and Craig as well here. Uh, so this is our first Sunday back into the building and it's, it's great to be here. Um, it's good also to be reminded of God's truth uh, this morning, as, as Sue has um, greatly read that passage for us. And before I start sharing a few thoughts, uh, let's commit our hearts to God. So, Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you are a life-giving God. And I pray that this morning you are going to give us that life. Lord, I pray that you're going to give us concentration as we listen to your words. Help me, Lord, to uh, expand it with clarity. And Lord, be glorified with the fruit of our life as we become doers of your word. So bless this word, Lord, in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, the story that we are going to be looking this morning, um, and Sue read only from uh, verses 14 to 21 intentionally, is because um, it's a story that we are very familiar with. It's the story of Nicodemus, a teacher of the law who comes to Jesus in the dark. Now, there is a lot of conversations going on about why does he do that. Um, and I would like to suggest that one of the reasons why Nicodemus goes to Jesus in the dark is because normally in the evenings were times where actually the teachers of the law left time to have these deep conversations so they will not be interrupted. But the other thing is that also it's a representation of what is going on uh, in the society, what is going on in the spiritual um, atmosphere of the people of that time. 
And that's why John later on in verses 17 to 21 talks about this dynamic of light and darkness. And actually in John's gospel, um, we'll see that very clearly that he talks with this um, contrast of light and darkness. But Nicodemus is a teacher of the law. He has been part of this cohort of people who have really loved God, have loved the scriptures, and they've been waiting for the Messiah, for Jesus to, to, to arrive, for, for Christ to show, and for God's promises to be fulfilled. And he goes and he wants to explore what, what does it mean to, 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 to embrace this, this Jesus? What does it mean to embrace this, this Messiah that has come? And the way that he starts the conversation with Jesus is that he says, teacher, we know that you are, well, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher that has come from God. Because no one can do the things that you're doing unless God is with him. And it's amazing how John continues with that theme that he begins to introduce Jesus to us in the beginning. In the beginning, there was the Word, and the Word was with us, with God. And then the, the, the Word dwelt among us. He pitched his tent amongst us. And here is that statement of Nicodemus saying that we know that you are from God because no one can do these signs unless God is with him. And in this conversation, um, it's, this is the start of the, the string of famous encounters that John wants to, produce, to, to give to us in his gospel. And he started with this conversation of um, Nicodemus and himself. Yes, he is the teacher. He is referred as a teacher. But later on in the passage, also, Jesus is referring to himself as the revealer of truth. But there is a misunderstanding here, and Jesus wants to address that. And there is this misunderstanding that actually Nicodemus picks because Jesus makes this statement about people being born again. Jesus says, unless a man can be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And again, we've got all different ideas. Uh, I, I will never forget, I was sitting once at the seniors' lunch. Maybe I've shared this before. And uh, one of the people in seniors' lunch was really struggling with this term, born again, because of her experience of Christianity, because of her experience of what she had seen and stuff. And, and also, she had a member of her family who, who had expressed to her that she is a born-again Christian and she, she needed to, to, to respond to that. And once again, I want to go to this phrase because it's an important thing for us to be thinking a little bit about as we prepare for the Resurrection Sunday, as we prepare for celebrating what Jesus has done for us on the cross. We need to remember that it's the time of the Passover that Jesus is having this conversation with Nicodemus. 
And he is talking to Nicodemus because he knows that actually Nicodemus is the representative of his people. Now, Nicodemus himself claims that, and I've written here that uh, he is a representative of his people because he knows that he is one of those people who actually they bear witness to the authentic word of God. He is part of that cohort of the teachers of the law. And he, he is a representative of, of that group of people. And he, he's grappling with this question that Jesus is saying, you need to be born again. You need more than just that representation because he also knows, and Jesus is telling him in this passage, if you look verses 1 to 14, that not only he is bearing witness, but also he's part of the group of people who does not receive the testimony. So yes, he is on that good side of being on the cohorts of people who really witness that, you know, God's word needs to be fulfilled, but yet have not come to that place of receiving that actually the testimony that that God, that word of God is fulfilled in Jesus. And for that matter, Jesus is saying, but Nicodemus, you need to be born again. Unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So in one sense, Jesus is, is saying that to be born again, to be part of the kingdom of God, you don't need to do anything. You don't need to be doing nothing because actually it has to happen through the spirit. But also, on the other hand, we know that coming into the kingdom of God, there is that sense that we need to repent and to believe. We need to repent of our old days. Uh, so the, the sense that I have always explained repentance is that if we're walking in one direction and we met we meet the love of God, then we stop and we say we have met God's love and therefore we are going to turn back to our ways, turn our back to our ways and then embrace, embrace Christ. So there is that 180 degrees uh, turn. But what is happening here is very crucial and we need to remember this very well because in one sense he's talking to a spiritual leader. He's talking to a teacher of the law. He's talking to somebody who is a righteous man, an upright man. So why does he want for him to repent? Every time we talk about repentance, we talk about the things, all the bad things that we have done. And that is accurate. That is good to acknowledge that we repent, we turn back our back to all the bad things that we have done. But what about turning our back to all the bad reasons that I have done all my good things? So all the good things that I have done, 
that I have been doing to control, to feel good about myself, to get other people to look at me. I have done bad things, yes, but also I have done good things for the bad reasons. And therefore, I am spiritually bankrupt. And this is the message that Jesus is trying to convey to Nicodemus. Not only about the bad things that he needs to turn to God, but also about the good things with the bad motivations. To accept my absolute helplessness, to accept that I am in desperate need of God's grace. And yes, what do I need? Yes, there is repentance here, but also it's belief, it's resting, it's what, that, that, that symbolism, that, that illustration of being born again, that the, the, the illustration of birth, that the baby does not do anything. The baby does nothing that contributes to the birth. But somebody else does the hard work. A lot of work is going on for the baby to be born. And I, I, I can testify that because I've been with, with Ruth there when the three girls have been born. I don't want to go there again. But, but yeah, the lot of work that goes on in, in, in that um, birth to be happening. So there is an invitation here from Nicodemus. There is an invitation here that, yes, unless the Holy Spirit does it, you can do nothing. But also there is an invitation here to turn back, to, to repent, to receive the testimony of who Jesus is and to believe in him. And the way that John is wanting to do that is we, he wants to give us the summary of the gospel. I have named uh, the sermon today, I've seen the sermon today is like the deepest experiences of renewal. Because John gives us the summary of the gospel. I know uh, this is one of my first ver verses that I learned by heart, John 3.16. But I only learned John 3.16, and I left aside John 3.17 and onwards. And I, I want us to remind uh, today what J John gives us as a summary in his gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, that includes you, Nicodemus, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world may be saved through him. Whoever believes in Christ, whoever believes in the Son of God, whoever believes in him is not condemned. but has the eternal life. So this summary of the gospel starts with God's love. We were reminded earlier on, even in the noise uh, clip, that we, we love because God, God first loved us. 
And it starts with God's love. It starts with that character of, of a God of love. It's centered in this precious gift that God has given for the world. And it ends so that people like Nicodemus, like you and me, may not be lost, but live under the saving hand of God. I want to bring here an illustration. Um, I've got a friend, and I'm, uh, for the sake of the illustration, I want to call him Tim. Tim was a very good boy growing up. Um, he, 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 was, he went to a good church. He, get, he got all the necessary um, lessons for life there. He was part of the um, children's work. He was part of the youth group. He, he really, really uh, wanted to live for God. But he found out that actually um, he, he was living his life on the back of the faith of his parents. And therefore, in his uh, perseverance to try and live this moral life that was introduced at the church and was taught at church, he decided to give faith a miss. Because he discovered that in the end of his teenage years that he was a handsome boy. And therefore, he decided to go down the route that um, his identity being formed around his handsomeness. So he, he continued um, to pursue that, and then he found out that he was a clever boy, and therefore he found out to be very successful in what he was going to do. And throughout the whole that time, he was looking for these identities that did not work, and he found himself shattered shattered because he'd given himself to a moral way of life, he'd given himself to a beautiful way of life, he'd given himself to a successful way of life, and now he had found out that with his cleverness, he could also be helpful to people who needed him. And that's what he did. He gave his time to charity. He gave his time to doing things for people. He gave his time to serving people, not necessarily church-related. And then Tim meets another friend who is constantly praying for him and is continuing to bring him the gospel message. And then he realizes that until now, Tim has been trying to save himself. And he gives his life to Christ. And he says, God loves me because of what Jesus has done and not because of what I have achieved. I've tried different things. I've tried different performances. And all the ups and downs have really taken me to this place of being unrestful. But now I can find rest in knowing that I am loved by God who wants to give me life. So this deepest experience 
of renewal happens when we come to the terms of or terms with realizing the whole gospel message realizing that it starts with God's love and not with my effort it starts with God's giving and not with what I can do for God and it ends with me not being lost in my pursuit of trying to make him happy but in my realization that I am safe, I am at rest under God's saving hands. The third thing that I want to bring out of this passage is that if the purpose of the mission of God that has started in God's love and it's centered in his son and the end result is that um, people like you and I may be under saving hands of God, if this purpose of the mission of God is like this, that we may live and not be lost, then there is a response that is expected. And I think for, for us here, there is a personal response. For Nicodemus, there was a personal response. And I think for God's church, there is also a corporate, a church response. Because actually, realizing the purpose of the mission of God, it's a scary thing. I want to finish with something that C.S. Lewis has written in the end of um, his radio, radio talks, which are published in Mere Christianity. And uh, he says about the, the, this scary idea of, he talks about this scary idea of this place of renewal, of recognizing God's love. And he says, um, how scary it is to let God come into your life and change you. But there is no alternative, he says. The principle runs through all of life from top to bottom. Give up yourself and you'll find your real self. Lose your life and you will save it. Submit to death, death of your ambitions and favorite wishes every day and death of your whole body in the end. Sim submit with every fiber of your being and you will find eternal life. Keep back nothing, nothing that you have not given away will ever be really yours. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin and decay. But look for Christ and you'll find him. And with him, everything else thrown in. As we look at the story of Nicodemus, I want us to be reminded today of that love of God that is so big and so vast. And if God's love and God's desire is for us to have life, in the midst of despair, in the midst of questions, in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of um, identity crisis like Nicodemus, 
then the deepest experiences of renewal have to start not only with recognizing that love, but accepting that that love is meant to be true, and it is true for our lives. And it's transforming. And that's the scary thing. But it has to start with me. It has to start also with that corporate thing that if the mission of God for this, the purpose of the mission of God is that people may live and not be lost, then church of God, people who know him and love him, we've got some work to do here because we are the ones who've been given this responsibility to share this love with the world, with the neighbors, with the colleagues, with family, with people that we love dearly and people that we don't bother. It's our task. And we are not only to share this, but we are to radiate it. We are to, to promote it. We are to encourage one another. It starts with God's love. It's centered in the giving of his son. And it ends with you and me and others that we may not be lost, but live under God's saving hand. And as we go into the Resurrection Sunday, I want us to, to go with this great uh, admiration of God's love for us and for the world so we can experience that new birth, so we can experience that love of God afresh by our lives being transformed. Thank you for listening and God bless you.